Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, we speak with Virgin Islands Republican Chairman Gordon Ackley on recent events regarding the State Committee of the Republican Party in the Virgin Islands. Given the CDC's report of a rise in flu cases in the region, we speak with representatives from the Department of Health. Lawmakers vote on legislation to extend trade name renewal for business owners in the territory. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Earlier in the month, Virgin Islands Republican National Committeeman Javon Williams stated that party executives had ousted Virgin Islands Republican Chairman Gordon Ackley and Executive Director Dennis Lennox over what they say was a failure to consult with party leaders before adopting changes to the caucus process that disregard Republican National Committee rules. Williams reports that party executives 10 committee members in each district and three RNC members have not had any communication with Ackley since June and held a meeting November 4th to vote on Ackley and Lennox's ouster. We spoke with Chairman Ackley on the state of events regarding the state committee of the Republican Party in the Virgin Islands. It's quite simple. Their, their call for uh, the meeting was illegal. Uh, their meeting was illegal. And the uh, RNC decision that, you know, I was never removed as chairman because they did not have the authority to have that meeting take place. Part of what they did um, when, when they hijacked the party and went public with their coup um, is that they also, you know, I, I'd raised uh, close to $180,000 for the party, me personally. Um and they contributed zero. They've never raised a penny. And they um, hijacked the bank account of the party. And uh, we're, we're working legally to uh, regain control since their meeting was illegal, which meant whatever documents they sent to the bank were illegal. And they just, you know, it, it, you know just was a, a real coup. Uh, they took control of the bank account and threw me out, and they had no authorization for any of it. Mr. Ackley stated he had received a letter from the RNC's counsel's office indicating the National Party had taken issue with part of the caucus rules and delegation selection plan based on unspecified complaints by Antoinette Gums Hecht, Mr. Williams, and Todd Hecht. Mr. Ackley responded to inquiry on whether there was an investigation by the RNC to settle conflicts. Uh, I don't know of any investigations going on. Um, you know, we're complying with the rules, we're playing by the rules, and, uh, you know, we didn't have a choice because when it came down to the, the 16F filing, they accused me of violating. I had negotiated a deal with the RNC where we would not lose any delegates, that it was 100% compliant, and then I called a special meeting to get those new rules approved, and they boycotted the meeting. So since they boycotted the meeting, we could not approve the rules, and the RNC 
went ahead and penalized us because we did not approve the new rules that we had negotiated. And if they would have shown up and voted for the new rules, we would have not have lost four delegates. Mr. Ackley responded to Mr. Williams' assertion that party executives were not invited to an October fundraiser where GOP presidential candidate Florida Governor Ron DeSantis met virtually with members at a private residence in St. Thomas. No, it, 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 it totally different. It, it was a fundraiser, okay? And, and the people who attended paid between 250 and $1,000 to attend that fundraiser. If, if they would like to donate, you know, they, they would have been welcome. In a written statement, Mr. Ackley asserts that Mr. Williams and his wife live and operate in Texas, and questioned Mr. Williams' ability to hold office in the Virgin Islands. Mr. Ackley responded to our inquiry on whether he knew these things prior to recent events. I, I, I was not aware until people actually filed a formal complaint with me. And I, I said, I am not the one to determine. I said, you know, that becomes a, a, a legal battle between the IRB which requires 183 days a year for residency, and the Board of Elections, who, who they, uh, you know, I believe the Virgin Islands Code is 30-day res residency. Mr. Ackley spoke on whether there were any communications with Mr. Williams or the Hex. None whatsoever. Uh, you know, I wish they'd show up to a meeting. Uh, we have another meeting call. You know, if they don't show up to the meeting, you know, uh, there are certain rules that are in the party rules. You miss three meetings, you're automatically expelled. You know, we're going full speed ahead. Uh, we're working towards our uh, caucus on February 8th. Uh, we invite, you know, everybody, you know, especially if you have conservative views to register Republican, come out and vote. Um, and it's going to be, um, I, I think it's going to be quite an event because... By going third, we actually, our voice counts. We're going to have the national spotlight on the Virgin Islands for a 24-hour news cycle, which we've never had before. We contacted the Election Systems of the Virgin Islands, Deputy Supervisor Terrell Alexandri, on whether Mr. Williams was a registered voter in the territory. Mr. Williams, um, he is a currently he is a registered voter um, of the the, the St. Croix District of the United States Virgin Islands. Um, he recently mailed him a notification. He responded on March 2nd, 2023, reinstating, so we did not place him inactive, but he's currently a registered voter. Superior Court Senior Sitting Judge Renee Gums-Cardi has set a March 14th bench trial date for former Senator Stephen Payne Sr.'s lawsuit against the 34th Legislature which voted to expel him over sexual harassment allegations in July 2022. In her order, Judge Gums Cardi denied two pending motions to dismiss the suit that were filed in August and October 2022. Mr. Payne's lawsuit filed on July 28, 2022, contends that lawmakers may discipline but not expel a member. His attorney, Tristan Moore, has said that in doing so, they disenfranchised the voters who elected Mr. Payne to serve in the 34th legislature. The defense has argued that even if the 34th legislature broke its own rule, it would be wrong for the court to intervene because it would violate the separation of powers doctrine, a constitutional law that limits any branch of government 
from exercising the core functions of another. It also argues in a motion to take judicial notice that the revised Organic Act broadly implies that the legislature has the authority to expel senators. Their argument is based on the revised Organic Act allowing the VI Supreme Court to expel judges, a law that was passed by the legislature. The horse racing industry in St. Croix may begin to see progress with the announcement of the start date for the new construction of the Randall Doc James racetrack. The flamboyant Park Horsemen Association president, Elroy Bates Jr., expressed some caution of the announcement while talking with Leslie Comision, host of the WTGX TV series, Comes with the Territory. This is my opinion, not the opinion of the Flamboyant Park Horseman Association. In dealing with Mr. Jason Williams for the past six years, seven years, Mr. Jason Williams have never, never given an answer to a question. He have never given an answer to a question. This is the first time Mr. Jason Williams have ever put out a date stating something is going to happen. He said December 14, 2023 is groundbreaking. This is the first time Mr. Williams have ever given a date. You could ask Mr. Hodge, you could ask Mr. Knight, you could ask Mr. White. Every uh, Senate hearing he goes to, he get root for not answering questions. So this is my opinion. I think we're on our, on our way in St. Croix. Comes with the Territory airs Sunday on WTJX-TV Channel 12 at 1 p.m. with a re-air at 7 p.m. Yesterday, lawmakers on the Government Operations, Veterans Affairs, and Consumer Protections Committee heard testimony on a measure proposed by Senator Ama Francis Heiliger that would allow businesses operating under a trade name to have that option to renew that trade name every two, six, or ten years. Corporations and Trademarks Director Denise Johannes testified on the measure. The Lieutenant Governor and the Office of the Lieutenant Governor are neither for or against Bill Number 35-0084. However, we are concerned that there will be a cost to implement this change if the bill is passed. Our system contractor estimates that it will take 200 hours to implement the proposed change in renewal intervals at a cost of $50,000. Senator Carla Joseph sought further clarity from Ms. Johannes' testimony. You're stating in your testimony, Ms. Johannes, it's going to cost us $50,000 to code electronically so we can implement this legislation. What is the contract, does it say for the catalyst? The catalyst system, the vendor isn't required to do updates because this will be more so an update? Actually, Senator, they are. However, this legislation would be considered out of scope. We have a contract that we were in project mode and we also have maintenance, maintenance and support. We are right now with our catalyst system getting ready to launch the trademark module to our system and we are also beginning the 
talks about implementing the notary services because we have a fixed um, cost contract with a five-year maintenance and support. Senator Francis Heiliger submitted an amendment based on request from the Lieutenant Governor's office. Bill number 35.0084 is amended by designating the existing language as subsection A and adding subsection B and C to read as follows. B, the sum of $50,000 is appropriated from the fiscal year ending September 30, 2024 from the general fund of the Treasury of the Virgin of the Government of the Virgin Islands to the Office of the Lieutenant Governor to implement subsection A and C. Subsection A for this act takes effect 180 days after enactment. The measure was passed and will be forwarded to the Rules and Judiciary Committee for further consideration. In recent reporting by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, seasonal influenza activity continues to increase in most parts of the country. Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands is reportedly above the baseline nationally for the second week. We spoke with Department of Health Assistant Commissioner Nicole Craigwell-Sims given the recent reporting. Flu season is definitely upon us. We usually see increases in the flu and how persons respond to flu and flu-like symptoms around the fall and the winter months, which is right about now. So at the Department of Health, we always encourage persons to prioritize their health. We always advertise that we have influenza uh, vaccines along with other vaccines. But because the flu is peaking in other areas and the world itself is changing, we're encouraging persons as well to prioritize receiving the flu vaccine. In particular, we'd like to speak directly to the elderly whose systems over time may not be as strong as it once was and young children who are developing systems. So we kind of bookend it and we ask persons to truly consider uh, the vaccines around this time as well as the hygiene that goes along with the flu, touching items, being around other people as we did with COVID and any other uh, diseases that may be affecting the territory, we ask individuals that once they are feeling ill, once they're not well, that they stay home, they wear masks, and they keep themselves from other people. We also encourage the communication between individuals and their providers. So we're asking persons to practice really good hygiene, make sure to cover your nose and mouth when you're coughing and or sneezing. Of course, stay home if you're not feeling well. And everything kind of combined along with taking the, the flu shot and other vaccinations would help to boost your system and bring you back to a good level of health. At the Department of Health, the vaccines are available on Syncroy from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Thursday at the Department of Health Clinic located on the second floor at number 35, Castle Coakley, Unit 5. And I guess that's known as the old Caribe Home Center building on St. Croix. No appointments are necessary. Again, we just want to reiterate coming in there between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Monday to Thursday. On St. Thomas for adults, vaccinations are available 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday to Thursday at the Community Health Clinic located at the Schneider Regional Medical Center. Again, no appointments are necessary. Just want to reiterate that time. 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. On Tuesday, December 28th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., the Community Health Center at the Morris de Castro Clinic, and that is on St. John, Cruz Bay, St. John, will offer 
the flu vaccine to adults 18 years and older and for the first time the COVID-19 vaccine for the underinsured and the uninsured and I really want to reiterate that part is for the underinsured and the uninsured we are encouraging insured individuals to visit their private providers for that COVID-19 vaccine. So again, we just want to prioritize health within ourselves and our homes. It is the holiday season. We're going to be interacting with a lot of family members. So we just want persons to be as cautious as they possibly can relative to their health and the health of others. During last Thursday's Senate Committee on Education and Workforce Development, VI Career and Technical Education Board Chairwoman Joanne Murphy delivered testimony highlighting the board's focus on career readiness in grades 9 through 12 to properly prepare students for the workforce. Senator Franklin Johnson sought further details from Ms. Murphy regarding the job training programs for high school students. You guys was not funded this year with some $30,000 that you normally have for on-the-job training? Yes. Well, around 10 years ago when I was actively working um, within the Department of Education, every high school would receive around $30,000 from the Senate for on-the-job training. And that money was used to actually, uh, in part, pay some of the students for on-the-job training if the employer cannot pay, as well as to pay the, the teachers who were overseeing the programs. That fund is no longer available to the high schools. And also we're asking for the Lena Schulterbrand funding around $250,000 so we can hire journeymen to work part-time. They're not going to work full-time on a teacher's salary, but just to work part-time uh, in our secondary education system. Right now, when a teacher retires, we actually lose the program. Getting teachers to replace uh, other teachers who are retiring is difficult. I have personally gone to automotive shops, to carpentry departments, the shops, asking for for people to, to actually you know, instruct our students if they're interested in teaching. And then when you tell them what a teacher makes, of course the, mm. the answer is no. But I think that we could get journeymen, those who are uh, licensed by, the, by our department, journeymen to work part-time, maybe nine hours a week, three hours a day, um, to help instruct our students, to give them those expertise that they need. You're in the WTJX News Feed. The inaugural Jerry Brown Classic was recently held on St. Croix. We spoke with one of the event organizers, Dexter Skeppel, to give us details of the event. Jerry Brown was there for every pitch. He was there for the whole tournament from start to finish. They had a coaches seminar that was held before by uh, Major League Baseball Players Association. We had five former players that participated in it. Calvert Pickering, Akil, Morris... Jabari Blash, and then there were um, Major Cummings and Jerry Brown. Those are the five that were there that participated in the um, in the event. The turnout was awesome. We had um, five teams, four from St. Croix and one from St. Thomas, ages 9 to 13. Um, we had maybe approximately, we averaged maybe about 300 people per night, um, and this was baseball for the first time, all-day baseball from uh, um, 8, well, we started out on Friday um, at 4.30 with opening ceremonies. And then we went all the way through um, on Saturday from 8.30 all the way until um, 9 o'clock at night. And it was a double elimination tournament. 
Mr. Skeppel spoke on the Classic becoming an annual event. We are going to have it annual. We already have um, plans. We already have commitments from um, eight teams already for next year. Um, from the Dominican Republic, we have um, Puerto Rico, we have uh, the British Virgin Islands, we have St. Thomas, we have um, Anguilla, we have St. Martin, the French side, St. Martin, the Dutch side, and Antigua. All of those islands have committed to coming to the tournament next year. The Department of Human Services Director of Communications, Ryan Nugent, is reminding SNAP beneficiaries of the upcoming renewal deadline. The upcoming deadline that we are trying to push uh, people to recertify for, of course, is December 1st. These mailers, uh, we try to send them out every month, even though everyone's recertification is on a different time basis. It's just a reminder of us telling our clients, you know, check out your review due date, come down to our office before December 1st if um, you did receive a recertification letter, and let's just get it all sorted out. Uh, this process, of course, you know, with new changes by Congress, brought some more stiffer stipulations as far as our clients being able to remain eligible on SNAP. So uh, we're asking for timely submissions, and it's uh, also for our first-time applicants. If this is the first time you're, you're hearing about this, make sure you complete your application packet in full and include all copies of your mandatory documents that come on down to the SNAP offices of Coach Hanson on St. Thomas or Marcel on St. Croix, and um, we'll take care of it. But you also got some numbers that people can call on St. Croix. They can call uh, 772-7100, extension 7159, and on St. Thomas, they should call 774-0930, extension 4303. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority is informing the community on St. Thomas of a scheduled electrical service interruption occurring Saturday, November 25th, from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Customers on feeder 8B in the Noragata area will experience an interruption in service to allow contractors to safely work on the federal building. As we update the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. On Monday, authorities in Haiti arrested a new suspect in the July 2021 slaying of President Jovenel Moise. Attorney Jimmy Jean-Baptiste told the Associated Press his client, Mackie Kessa, mayor of the southern coastal city of Jacmel, was detained but has not been charged. He said Kessa is being held in Haiti's National Penitentiary in the capital of Port-au-Prince and plans to seek his release. The arrest occurred after Kessa met with Judge Walter Wesser Voltaire, who was investigating the case and has interviewed several other suspects who have been in jail for more than two years. Voltaire is the fifth judge to be appointed to the case, with previous judges stepping down for various reasons, including fear of being killed. More than 40 suspects have been arrested in the case, with most of them shortly after Moise was fatally shot at his residence in the attack that also injured his wife, Martine Moise. In our final update on the news feed, we turn now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Overcast skies and showers will continue this afternoon at St. Croix. Temperatures will hold in the middle 80s. Winds will be from the northeast at 10 to 15 with gusts as high as 20. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll also find mostly cloudy skies with scattered showers through sunset. Temperatures a few degrees warmer in the upper 80s. Winds from the east-northeast at 15 to 20 miles per hour. Gusts as high as 25. 
Tonight, scattered showers taper off at St. Croix to partly cloudy skies. Temperatures will fall back into the middle 70s. Winds remain from the east-northeast at 5 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, showers will continue through most of the night, though some clouds do break off by early Thursday morning. Temperatures will fall back into the upper 70s. Winds remain stronger from the east-northeast at 15 to 20 miles per hour with gusts as high as 25 to 30. And Thursday features a mostly sunny day for St. Croix. There's the chance for a shower in the afternoon. Highs reach the middle to upper 80s. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll also find sunshine giving way to increasing clouds and scattered showers through the afternoon on Thursday with temperatures in the middle to upper 80s. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts. From everyone at WTJX, have a happy Thanksgiving.